What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mucky Finance Show podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about index investing. Has index investing sort of turned into a cult? Uh, I think we have asked this question before in my Discord because obviously, you know, in the Mucky Finance private Discord, we have a bunch of like-minded investors. That's probably why they're private members, first of all. And second of all, they probably, for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part, are invested in um, probably 100% low-cost, broad-based, diversified index funds. And I always beg to ask the question, are we sort of like a cult that's kind of uh, parading around and saying, look at how amazing index funds are, and we're not considering any other investment option. So, you know, uh, on my channel, uh, people comment a lot, hey, what do you think about crypto? What do you think about this actively managed fund? What do you think about this individual stock? And my default answer to all that is no, 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 it's not for me. So am I sort of blinded by the index cult that I cannot see any other investment outside of an index fund. So I'm going to help try to help at least answer that question in today's episode. And uh, one of the um, um, interesting articles that I've read was uh, published by The Atlantic. And the the title of the article uh, stated, could index funds be worse than Marxism? And, you know, it got me really to to thinking uh, because there's a lot of talk, uh, especially now that indexing, I think, has grown over to $11 trillion dollars. Um, so it's come a long way from 1975 when Bogle, I think uh, when he created the um, the first uh, index fund, the S&P 500, I forget now what the uh, underwriting was for that fund, but it was probably somewhere around $15, $20 million. I wouldn't say more than that. And now, you know, you got an $11 trillion um, market cap for index funds and Primarily, it's really three institutions when you think about it, kind of the big three of index investing or Vanguard, uh, obviously the, the the original one, um, BlackRock, and, and then State Street. So those are sort of the big three um, when, you come, when it comes to indexing. And those big three have a lot of, I would say most of them have moved on into ETFs now and not the standard um, mutual fund index funds that, you know, I still talk about that Fidelity has and, and you know, Charles Schwab, well, even Charles Schwab now has moved to ETFs. But, um, you know, th- this is a combination of ETFs and, and mutual funds. It's not just um, uh, ETFs when I say index funds. Um, and what's interesting is uh, econ- economists and policymakers and Wall Street they're all worried that you know the this Vanguard model of passive investing is actually going to hurt the the overall markets long term because previous to index funds um, if you were going to be an investor in the stock market you had probably two choices at least two two of the for the average person the average Joe like me and you uh, we could either um, uh, have a broker that we used and we bought individual stocks or listened to the advice of our uh, investment advisor and bought and set up a portfolio like that. Or we could have invested our money uh, into uh, actively managed mutual funds, which at the sort were charging somewhere around, I don't know, in the 50s, probably 2 to 4% in fees. Um, and a lot of these mutual funds previous to index funds, they were kind of like closet index funds. They were uh, large cap uh, blue chip type uh, funds, and they charge somewhere, like I said, around 2%. And then Bogle, you know, said, hey, wait a minute. Um, 
Wall Street is getting rich off off the uh, off the backs of, of investors because these these mutual fund companies are, are raking in millions and millions of dollars at the time in fees um, only to basically underperform the market because if you know if you're charging a two percent fee and even if you're one percent better than the market let's say um, you the net uh, return for the actual investor in that fund is still minus one percent off what the market would would return but in most cases you know these fund managers uh, if, if you think of what the market is if you just look at it, institutional fund managers if the market is all of these fund managers combined 50% of them are going to outperform the market and 50% of them are going to underperform the market any given year. And as a whole, they make up the market. But the problem is then when you when you put fees into this equation, those 50% that underperform in a given year and still charge 2% in fees, once you start to compound that out, you really, really start to hurt investor performance. And it, it wasn't typical. It, I'm sorry, it was typical for back then for investors to be paying those types of fees. So Bogle came around in 75 and really revolutionized investing and said, hey, uh, instead of uh, Wall Street collecting these uh, fees and these fund managers collecting these fees, what about if the investors kept the fees? So obviously he created Vanguard um, after he got fired at Wellington, and the rest is history. Really, um, Vanguard has has gone on to be a a major player in the index fund industry. But what what it has done, it has shifted the thinking of of retail investors. So in the past, uh, we thought that professionals needed to manage our money, and now for the most part, I think a lot of people share the same thoughts that I do. Is we don't need professional fund managers to manage our money. They're no better than us managing our own money. As a matter of fact, if you cut the fees out, we can manage it better. So people like me and a lot of different people um, are pro um, individual investors managing their own portfolio. So not having a financial advisor, um, not having a, uh, a fund manager or investing in a fund that has a fund manager that actively picks stocks and also not trying to actively pick stocks ourselves to beat the market or whatever the goal is. We believe in us managing our own portfolio, setting up our own asset allocations, but being passive in a way that we set it and we forget it and maybe we rebalance it once a year. But other than that, we don't do anything else. And that drives people nuts. I mean, if you uh, ask anybody who, who manages money for a living... Um, at least the the stockbrokers and, and the fund managers of actively managed funds, they'll tell you that's a terrible, terrible plan. That you know, how could you do that? You're hurting your your performance. You're you're being stagnant. You're returning what the market's doing. Look look at what I can do over here. And then you get these um, star managers that pop up like uh, Kathy Wood, um, Peter Lynch, um, Carl Icahn, a couple of these people uh, that can successfully beat the market uh, over a span of five, seven, ten years. In Peter Lynch's case, I believe it was 13. And all of a sudden, you know, you get a shift in mentality. And a lot of people that maybe were considering index funds or were in index funds say, hey, I can go and get a better return if I invest in these other people's funds. And that's typically what happens. Those funds go to underperform. Again, the market is just comprised of all of the institutions <laughs> all of the different uh, uh, investors and you're as good as as the average investor really some years you'll be good and some years you'll be bad but 
the end you'll kind of be average there is a few a select few that we kind of idolize and, and try to learn from but those are the ex extraordinary ones most of most fund managers are average or below average so anyways what i'm trying to get at is here we are now in 2021 and we have an 11 trillion dollar index uh fund industry and uh, the big three the uh, vanguards the black rocks the uh state uh, state streets they control about 30 percent of the um, uh the uh equities market in in the u.s um that's a lot they control when you think about the s p 500 the 10 biggest companies in the s p 500 those three firms have 30 percent control over those companies so as far as they're the biggest uh, shareholders or stakeholders in those companies so what's the problem you might say well the first argument is uh index fund investing is really going to create a bubble in a sense and michael burry if you don't know who he is he's the the one that uh, successfully predicted the um uh, the real estate crash in 2008 and uh he's he's been saying that the index fund investing is in a bubble since about i don't know 2013 maybe 2014 um because you know it's everything for him is a bubble sometimes i do agree with some of his assumptions like uh arc funds are gonna are gonna significantly underperform i do agree with that but i think he is kind of self-serving in some of the things that he says because he is a um he is a uh he does run his own fund so uh, take that as you will but you know people like that are, are screaming saying no 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 this is wrong um this is hurting us and this is not good for the stock market because it's eliminating price discovery um these uh passive lazy index funds they're not doing any price discovery they're simply buying everything they're buying the winners they're buying the losers um they're not hedging against anything they're just buying everything and that's not right um because the 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 latter to that is um we here at this firm whether it's michael burry's firm or any other actively managed firm arc invest or whoever it is they're going to say we know how to pick the winners and exclude the losers. That's what makes us special. And every actively managed fund has this uh, sort of claim to fame. We can pick winners and we can exclude losers. And and on top of that, we can hedge with different markets. So we know maybe this quarter, Germany, the German market's going to do great. And then next quarter, we're going to rotate out of the German market and go into the Vietnam market and or Korea. And, and they, they know where the next uh, smart money rotation is going to go. So they're already up ahead on that. And, and that's how they're going to uh, basically outperform markets. Unfortunately, when we look at the data, most of these fames uh, or claims to fame that these uh, these uh, actively managed fund managers put out there are false because historically, if you go over a 10-year period, uh, most of these actually about 80% uh, percent of them are going to underperform a, a broad market index fund like an S&P 500 index fund, for example, so SPY or VOO. So most of these people that are buying and selling and hedging and doing all these fancy derivative calculations, and I mean, they're doing, they're selling covered calls, buying uh, cash secure puts, they're doing all kinds of stuff. 80% of those people, though, underperform a simple S&P 500 index fund. So then there goes the, the, the cult-like mentality of index investors is we see this thing. And if you probably came across index funds, I'm sure 
you didn't start it by investing in, in index funds. I always call that like a rite of passage. Most of us that, uh, as far as retail investors, I don't know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but most of us, we probably started out on Robinhood. Um, that's how I found out about the stock market was through Robinhood. And uh, I was doing a lot of penny stocks and, and speculative swing trades and doing all this stuff. And then I quickly realized about a year into it, hey, um, I'm not really beating the market at all. If anything, I think I've lost money. And uh, uh, when I got my tax statement at the end of the year, I sure, sure as heck did lose money. So I said, okay, um, this is probably not the best way. I'm not a professional. Let me see um, what the professionals do. And uh, in my research, I came across index funds and, and I started reading about it and I said, oh, okay, this is uh, basically a passive way to, tr- uh, to track the market. And 80% of the time is going to be the best way. So four out of five times or eight out of 10 times, this works. So only two out of 10 could something else potentially work. And I'm like, well, you know, I tried the, the, two, uh, the, the two out of 10 and it didn't work for me. So I'm just going to stick with, with what I know. And that's uh, uh, the fact that this does track the market. That's sort of how everything came to be as far as index investing for me, because once I started tracking the market, I felt sort of at ease. I, I was like, okay, it's not that difficult to just buy three or four index funds that track the market and then um, maybe spread them around depending on asset allocations if I wanted to uh, have a little bit of exposure in in different fields such as international, um, in value, and in in the U.S. And, you know, there's an index fund these days. It, It didn't always used to be like this in the past, but these days, you could f- probably find an index fund for for sectors. You can find an index fund for um, equity styles. You can find an index fund for for the entire world, uh, and and the same goes on the flip side in the bond market. You can find the index fund that's corporate. You can find the total bond index fund that owns everything. You can find the treasuries index fund. There's index funds for everything, and if you just look at their performance compared to their active counterparts. Uh, they're beating their active counterparts and people have caught on to this. And I'm sure, again, me embracing index funds uh, two years ago now, uh, I wasn't the first one on that gravy train. That train had left a long time ago and and people were kind of running behind the index train trying to jump on because it it really took off, especially I would say in the last decade, it really took off um, like a rocket ship. And part of that is uh, after you have the crash of 2008, 2009, and a lot of people lose a lot, a lot of money, people become skeptical of the markets and they think, oh, it's either rigged or the stock market is is trash. It's not going to produce any kind of wealth. And I think that uh, sort of idea and shift of the market's rigged had a lot of people jump to index funds because one of the claims of active management is that they can pick winners and losers. So if the market's crashing, they can strategically go to cash, right? Which is a form of market timing and something I don't endorse, but they can go to cash and let everybody around them lose money and they'll sit in cash and then they'll know exactly the right time to take that cash and invest it back in the market and the market will go back up. That's the claim to uh, active management. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Um, Sometimes what ends up happening is they, um, for example, I would probably say 2020 is a great example. Uh, let's say they knew that, you know, COVID was going to crash the market in March of 2020. 
and they started to go to cash. Well, they were been going to cash in March and in April and in May, right? And the market went to all-time low on March 23rd, and then it recovered by June. It was back to where it was at the end of February. So do they take their cash and then jump back in, or do they at that time hear the news story that, you know, this uh, pandemic is going to continue? More than likely, more of them would stay in cash, and all of a sudden we have a V-shaped recovery, and they're still sitting in cash. That's what usually happens. That's market timing, so that's no good. So when you when you say index investing uh, works, or when I say index investing works, the reason it works is it just stays and does what the market does. It doesn't try to outsmart itself. It's so simple, um, and it really bothers these people. I mean, people are bothered by the fact that they cannot beat a simple index fund. And then you, you get these uh, type of hit pieces where uh, you know they're saying that uh, index investing is is ruining the market. I wonder who funded. I don't know who owns the Atlantic. Um, I don't know who paid for this article, and I, I don't want to allege that anybody did and get myself in legal trouble. But um, you know, you have to understand that this idea that the 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 retail investor is beating up on Wall Street because they're using index funds, and Wall Street can't compete. Don't feel so bad for Wall Street. Don't feel so bad for those people that have lined their pockets off investors' backs for so basically since 1926. Since 1926, they've been just stealing money from investors, and now investors have an option to partake in the markets and to uh, benefit themselves. Because you know the 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 matter of fact is, if you were in index funds basically since their creation since 1975. You would have returned something like ten and a half percent if you're an S and P 500 index fund, and that's a lot of wealth for a lot of people. If if they started investing in '75 and just stuck with it for for 50 years, that's a lot of wealth. And I don't think that Wall Street likes that very much because they want they want to get their hands on some of that. So, are we a cult? Yeah, maybe we are. Maybe we're blinded by everything else. But I think. Um, more than anything, what index investing stands for is that it gives the little guy power. It gives the retail investor the ability to uh, beat Wall Street easily, hands down, year over year. And even on a grander scale, it doesn't matter what Wall Street's doing. It doesn't matter what crypto's doing. It doesn't matter what any individual stock's doing. Focus on building your wealth. Focus on what your wealth is doing. And Index funds give the everyday person who knows nothing about the market, they, it gives the everyday person the ability to not only be invested in the market, but to perform better than these experts and professionals that spend so much time, so much energy, and so much money in trying to beat the market. They spend so much time and they still can't do it. And it bothers them when then index funds are taking over market share, but you know, the way that article is written, kind of trying to say that, you know, index funds are, uh, I don't want to use the C word, but they're a communist way to invest, uh, a Marxist way to invest. Well, um, I think in, in a capitalistic society where it's a free market, all you have to do is develop a better product than the index fund and people will flock to it. So, uh, these, you know, these guys that are sitting on the sidelines and saying it's not fair, or look at what index fund investing has done to us. Look at how big it's gotten. Create a better product um, in a free market. All you have to do, if you want my business, 
create a better product and I'll give you my business. Part of the reason kind of it's uh, another kind of funny thing is, you know, Fidelity, the, the broker that I use, early on didn't like index funds. They wanted to eliminate index funds because Fidelity was a actively managed, privately held uh, company. And they obviously wanted to make as much money for the Johnson family as, as possible, who were their owners. I completely understand that. Again, I'm not against that. Um, but they did try to stamp out index funds and really put a lot of hit pieces out on Jack Bogle and say, hey, you know, this is un-American. And now they have a uh, expense uh, ratio of zero for four index funds, which I think is even funnier because, hey, that's this is the type of free market uh, that we live in where it will, uh, if, you, if you create a better product, people will flock to it. So the anti- index investing company fidelity in 1975 is now uh, known as an index fund investing company because they have a zero index fund right so it's kind of funny you know how how everything comes full circle there uh but that's that's what i want to talk about today and help answer the question are we a cult um my answer is no i think we as index investors um are very data-driven investors we see the numbers and we know the probability of us trying to do it on our own, uh, whether it's picking mutual funds, there's 9,600 to pick from, so good luck there. Whether it's picking individual stocks, there's over 3,800 to pick from there. Or do you just pick one or two or three index funds, which are very simple, but they own all all of the stocks in the entire world, like a monkey three strategy, for example. Talked about this a lot, but it's got over 10,000 individual holdings in it. So it owns the entire world. Um, so more than likely, yes, if you're talking about a company, my index fund already has it. And two, um, if you're talking about a strategy, whether it's growth or value, whether it's small or big, my index funds have that covered too. Um, because, you know, 20% is allocated to small, 20% is allocated to value, 20% uh, is allocated to international. So it, it's full, broad diversification. It probably um, not guaranteed but it probably will be the best route to go uh, for for most people and people still can't handle the fact that you know that is uh, what it is people still want to try to outperform and we can just as index investors sit back and and watch them and ho hope that they succeed but we probably know the chances that they won't are, are very high and we also know that it's not a competition out here um, when it comes to index investing, I'm not uh, trying to beat Wall Street. I'm not trying to beat the next investor. I'm simply just trying to build my own wealth. And I think that's the point that a lot of people miss on is I'm using a product that, help, that gives me the greatest probability of building the most amount of wealth over extended period of time if I just buy and hold it versus me actively trying to manage my portfolios, actively trying to hedge against different things that could happen, going to cash, coming back to equities, all this nonsense, which in the end really isn't a proven system to help me outperform. And um, that's the part that probably might make us a cult is we will not consider other investment options, even if they slap us in the face with it. We won't consider it. And the reason is we know what the likelihood of those succeeding are. And we don't like those uh, those uh, uh, chances, so we don't uh, engage in that type of uh, uh, investing strategy. So that's going to do it. Thank you guys so much uh, for 
tuning into another episode. Uh, this is episode uh, 32, I believe. Still don't know. I think I'm just going to title it, Are We an Investing Cult? Is Index Investing a Cult is what I'll title it. Um, and and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, uh, if you guys could be so kind on the Apple podcast side, if you can go ahead and leave me a rating and a review, I'd really appreciate it. And if you write a review, I will uh, actually read it live here on the recording. I've already checked before this recording. There was no new reviews. But if you guys want to help me out and help uh, spread the word about this podcast, I'd really appreciate it. You can even uh, hit the share button and share it with one friend that you think can benefit from the knowledge. And until next time, guys, remember, move obstacles, keep investing. 